Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 134 of the Greenlight Podcast, POC E-Frage. And on this episode, we are joined by Stu Singer, founder and CEO of Well Performance, amongst a lot of other things that we are going to talk to. Stu, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. You have a very envious, I want your background, one day I will have it. Right now in my house, I just have lower uh, bookshelves, but that is a, uh, it's on my Pinterest board, so I'm envious this, of that, back, of that this background. This was actually my wife's, uh, like, this has been on her agenda for a long time, and we got done last year, two years ago, so. It is it is on my agenda, so well done uh, to your wife. Uh, all right, man, let's jump in. We got a lot of topics to talk to. Um, let's start with well performance. I want to know, we're going to get into what it is, what it means, how it all works. But, you know, you started it, I believe, in 09 or 10, right around there. Talk to me about the the motivation to start your own company and, you know, why you were focused on performance psychology. Yeah, I mean, zero land. Like, I was not one of those people that knew or at least... Uh, listen to myself early on as to what I was interested in. So um, the the story probably is, is my high school uh, hoops coach had us do um, visualization. He had us lay on the lay on the floor of the court uh, relatively, you know, no lights on in, in the gym and just did some visualization with us and, and then gave us a, a handout. Uh, like a, he copied it out of a magazine or something uh, on visualization. And and I was just like, man, this is, this is really cool. And I had no idea. I'd never heard of the concept of sports psychology at that point. I didn't know that that was a thing, you know, but thought it was cool. And then, but I did see that the guy that wrote the article was a doctor. Mm. And, and so for me, even though it was cool, I, I was like, well, that rules me out because I'm not going to school that long, you know, so I, I that was like, OK, cool, but it's done. Um, but the same coach also we did clinics on uh, Saturday morning before our our practice. And so we had the younger kids in the in the community would come and we would do clinic before our, our practice. And um, I realized, like, kind of like coaching. So like these things were planted then but they just were not something that I thought I was, I was going to do. Um, then, um, post-college, uh, got an opportunity. I didn't have a job yet. Got an opportunity to, to coach, um, at a, at a middle school, started doing that, fell in love with coaching, but my, my, my major was in communications and marketing. So I was just going to be in business, was doing that really hated it and decided I want to be a coach and a teacher. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to teach though. So, so really what I decided I wanted to teach was life. And I got a master's degree in counseling and decided I was going to be a high school counselor and a, and a coach. And that's what I wanted to do. That's what I did. Um, got a master's degree in counseling and that was the path I was on. Um, and, and as I was coaching, I was realizing how much I was using my counseling skills and it started to grab a hold of me. I was reading more and it just kind of took me on the path. And and it, so it was not this plan that I had or that I knew was going to be mine. I, I wouldn't have told you I could even get a master's degree, let alone, you know, going on to get a doctorate. So uh, and, and but I started I started then trying to work with like one or two athletes just you know, as a side thing where I was helping with them mentally, um, got into it. And my wife was finally the one she was like, you got to pursue this and we'll, I'll, I'll support you basically in doing it, you know, cause I was working full time. We had a mortgage, we had three kids 
and she said, if this is what you want to do, go for it. And, you know, like all the credit to her for willing to sacrifice. Um, I mean, I kept working through it. So it, it, not in that regard, but I was just, I was out straight for three straight years, basically. And, you know, she was working full time and dealing so much with the kids and everything. And uh, so that was it. And it just was this thing that just kept calling me to do this, basically. It was, it was the way it worked. It, it was the path kind of chose me instead of me choosing the path. What, um, so it's been a little bit over a decade now since you started it. What are, and I'm sure uh, since you drew it on the back of a napkin to now it has evolved. What yeah. are the offerings or the services <clears throat> or what's available to teams or players or coaches um, in 2023? Through well performance or just in general? like Well performance. Yeah, I mean, so for the most part, what I, I really want to focus on is I, I love the one-on-one -on -one work. That's my like that's my place. And but that one-on-one work is with anyone in the organization, you know, so at the professional yeah. level, at the college level, like I'll work with I in fact I want to work with the coaches. And I think for me, what I've seen from an evolutionary standpoint from from is is just how much more coaches um, have embraced the idea that this is something that makes sense uh, to have, whereas it it had was not always like that. It was a, was a little bit more um, at arm's length. Um, and then you know, I do I I also enjoy doing the the team sessions, but. When I get a call from coaches and they're asking about working with a program, I'm like, look, I'll do a team session. But if it like behavior change and is is really, really hard. I mean, we all know that intuitively. And like one hour team talk is not it's it's not going to do a hell of a lot. It's the it's it's maybe enough to whet somebody's appetite to pursue more. But that's that's basically what it's going to amount to. You talk about yeah. You talk about obviously one-off sessions and kind of where you've been your career. Obviously, you've you know, you'll talk a little bit of your your background before this, but your former role with Maryland women's basketball, your current role with the Washington Mystics. What did what have those roles really consisted of? And obviously, have been long tenured um, roles. What what has that been from a foundational standpoint for you? Um, great. Um, like just so fortunate to first and foremost work with great head coaches and, and, and coaching staffs that are, you know, dynamic enough to be like, Hey, we, we just want to do what's absolutely you know, best interest of our players and what we think is going to create the best environment. Um, so first and foremost, that's been phenomenal. And then to be on the ride of like, you know, I don't know, I think, you know, two final fours and five or six big 10 championships. And then, you know, two uh, WNBA finals, one final champion, you know, winning a, a, a WNBA championship, like just so fortunate to be part of, of these things and getting to see phenomenal uh, people do amazing things um, up close. And, and so my role has always been, um, you know, to, you know, I, I always try to look at it like this, like I see my role as another coach, right? So we have strength and conditioning coaches, we have player development coaches, <clears throat> and then obviously you have your on-court coaches. Um, but if you believe in the idea that it makes sense to have somebody that specializes in the body, the development of, of the body, and you think that it makes sense to have someone that specializes in coaching people on their skill development why in the world will we not believe that there's a, a like a specialization in developing the, the mental performance i mean it just seems like it would make the natural progression and which is basically the way it's gone um you know strength coaches probably started back i don't know 60s and 70s i'm assuming is when that kind of really started and then got big in the 80s 90s um you know, and then specialized coaches started coming in, you know, and, and and now the next step of that really is, is, is the mental performance. And so I've always looked at it like that. So first and foremost, I look at myself as another coach, an extension of the coaching um, staff. And, you know, we're just trying to help them perform at their absolute best, but instead of it being the body, it's the mind, um, both are connected. So obviously it, it turns out to be the body, but it's focused in, in what we think and, 
how we view what we do, view ourselves, understand ourselves. And so that's what my work is. And then I help the coaching staff as best as possible, either with their own, you know, perform, like they want to perform better sometimes and realize things get in their way and, or just how do they reach the people that, that they're coaching and leading. Um, so that's what it's basically been in, in both organizations. The one thing that I will say is I think over the years we've, in fact, over the last like five years, maybe we have started to talk about mental health so much more, way more, way more. And so this role has turned into, and I'm not a, a, a clinical psychologist, so I am a, you know, a, a performance um, uh, psychology um, psychologist. So I'm really working in that realm. We're not doing therapeutic intervention, but, but being able to screen, you know, so like you see, maybe this should be dealt with in a clinical setting. And so that part has become a, a much bigger part in like being able to, to, um, you know, to, to do that part of it, not like I'm doing it specifically, but in being able to refer for, mm -hmm. you know, maybe mental health services has become a bigger part of it as well. If you want to know why I'm a, a, a bad podcast host, it's because I ask questions that aren't on the sheet that I sent you before. Which That's I'm all right. Um, why do you think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but I do feel like individual sport, golf, tennis, like they had psychology, they had sports psychology coaches way before team sports. Is that accurate? It is accurate. It is and accurate, for sure. Why, why? Why is that? Well, I don't know if I know the exact reason why I can get like that. I know because I read it through research. But what I can say is, is that the more a sport has time to think, the more susceptible we are. So think about, uh, uh, think yeah. about tennis. There's a lot of time in your head. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's why we call a timeout before a big foul shot, why we call a timeout before a big field goal, right? We want people to have more time to think because typically our thought is not, it's not always great. And the more that we can do it, so we're better when we're constantly moving. So I, my assumption is, is that it was just so much more palpable um, in those sports. And so they would seek um, help more often. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay. So I want to get your thoughts and opinions on two part question. One, how you would define mentally tough athletes. And I don't even know if mentally tough is still the right way to put it. And if it's not, please correct me. But then the second part to that is, can you, I mean, you've been doing this for so long. Can you see early on like characteristics or like how a person presents themselves or interacts that like whether they believe they're mentally tough or not yet like you can see like oh that person is going to be a leader or a captain or what but like can you see that so two-part question how do you define it and then are there similar characteristics across all athletes that you've worked with that you know right away this person's got it um, so the, the, the first part about the defining of like mental toughness, I would agree that I think we've kind of moved beyond mental toughness. I, I at least I have in, in, in kind of calling it mental fitness, probably, mm -hmm. um, resilience, whatever you might, you know, it, it, there, I don't know, there's a connotation for me, at least that like, that it is about toughing its way. And I would say like, look, if you've made it to a certain level, you're probably already you didn't yeah, get you there you got, some, you got some shit to you yeah yeah right and so because of that i and then but there's like this connotation that you, like it's it's about that and like toughing your way through and i and sometimes it's not that at all in fact most often it's not that at all it's really about the idea of like we have bad habits like the mind has it it has some very specific things that it wants to do first and foremost is just simply to protect us uh so if we're in a, a position, whether it's because the environment is quote, not, not the greatest, or just because the moment is, is challenging. It's its first job is to protect. And, and so, and if you don't have a system, nobody's ever really taught you, like, that's what's going on. And this is what you need to do in that moment. It's, it's, 
it's just because you didn't learn something. It's, it would be like saying you should be a great shooter because we know that sh shooting is, you know, if you can shoot a high percentage, you're a better player. Well, no shit. But <laughs> if you've never been taught good form, how you why would you be a good shooter? And then even if you have been taught good form, but you've never done any reps with it, why would you believe you're going to shoot better? So like, all I feel like I do is like, okay, this is a good fundamental and I'm going to help you do reps of it. And because we're doing good fundamentals and we're getting reps, we're going to get better at this skill. And to me, that's the way we should look at it. Um, and in terms of the, of the question around, like, can you see it? Um, it's a great question. I would ultimately say that there's not a person that I don't care who you think. It's not, you know, we talk about Kobe, the Mamba mentality. You could talk about Jordan. You could talk the best of the best of the best. I will guarantee you everyone has had a crisis of confidence. Yeah. So I don't, I do not think that there is a, a, a an end point to it. It's just a matter of scenarios and situations. And somebody has faced a scenario situation where they didn't have it. Saying that, I do think that you can, like, you'll see it. If you have people who inherently believe in the idea of I can get better through practice, like I can get better through practice and that they just inherently have some level of um, optimism, like they believe things work out rather than the person that you know, that's like, oh, that never, that doesn't happen for me. Like as soon as you hear that, you know, there's work to be done, but you have other people who are like, yeah, yeah, yeah we'll do that. It'll be fun. And we'll, you know, you're like, oh, they're just, they just believe that stuff works somehow. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that if you have those two things, you kind of know that you're going to be able to work with someone and, and you're going to see them be natural leaders, you know, they're that they just kind of, cause, cause they believe in the right stuff to get there. Um, not so much that we know for a fact they will get there, but they just, they're on the right path with those two pieces. I don't know if you've watched, um, the golf Netflix full swing. I absolutely. Brooks whole. I mean, you want, first of all, you want to talk about the most confident human being from the outside looking in and even, even just his interviews, right. Yes. Confident. But then he, you know, he has, he shows his vulnerable side of being like, I could not hit the golf ball. Another yep. one. Look at Ricky Fowler years. Yes. This is a, a guy who gets paid to hit the white ball and couldn't do it. It's not me yep. and Ian. We're bad. But like, I'm with you, brother. Right. Like this guy, this guy gets paid to do it and has won at the highest level, then hits a streak. So I guess my, my question is like, I want you to talk about like that sign. You had a really interesting tweet that says talent is not taught. It's a natural ability, but you say mentality is a skill. It can be taught. Right. So like, what, what are you saying to Ricky or Brooks or someone, whatever they're struggling with when they are in what I call in golf, the dark place, you know, you just duff two shots, you miss three putt, you can't get out of it. What do you do? Well, do you I mean, so, yeah. So if think about it like this, so a couple of things, one is I was a, a little bit amazed. I, that was actually shocking when I was watching it for me because of the same thing, you know, it, you know, cause I've, I've always thought of copy in, in particular as being like this guy who, didn't really care about the, the, you know, any of the regular tournaments just wanted majors, but was pretty <laughs> steely in majors. Like this guy was like, he could close and, mm -hmm. you know, when most couldn't. So I was a little bit, I was like, Oh wow. Like uh, I, I wasn't expecting that from him. Even if it was true, I wasn't yeah. expecting it from him. So I, I thought it was kind of cool in that regard. Um, which again is my, like what it validated for me is that idea that I'm telling you because I get to have these conversations day in and day out with really successful people. Like I, like my clients, many of them are gr like, great. Do I have any that are like struggling to stay on and, you know, they just want to stay in the league or whatever. Yes. But like a lot are actually the best of the best. And, and, so you know that on one hand, they're succeeding. The outside world sees them as nothing but the best of the best. And yet internally, I know the struggle that they go through. So I'm telling you that everybody goes through it at some time. What I feel from those when I was watching it was like, ah, like, why are you not doing 
why are you not working with a sports psychologist? Now, maybe he did and he just didn't mention it. But I was like whole time I was just waiting for him to say, and I, I'm doing this or I'm going to reach out. And he never mentioned that. So I was like, like, why? Why will you not do that? If you're in this level of pain, because it seemed at times he was really expressing pain, yeah. right? And yet he didn't mention that. Yeah. And so the quick part would be, that's the place to start. Now, going back to that tweet and what it really means is, like, this isn't, there is no, I don't have a trick. I don't have a hack. If you want to get better at anything, you have to put in good reps with good fundamentals yeah. and you can get better. So in the moment, I'm not going to have a, I mean, I could give my thought as to what they would need to do the ability to pull it off in a big moment. If you're just literally hearing it for the first time or just practicing it for that first time is not gonna, it's probably not going to work. And so it's harder than it. In fact, it's about rep. It's, it's about time, spend time, you know, yeah. And speaking of time and obviously the reps, I think the one thing I want to touch on with you, um, your app, so Doso, uh, Mindfulness Sports Psychology-Based Training System. Talk to us a little bit about that um, and, and how that that has grown since, since you've built it. Okay, so that's a, a great seg segue into the, the idea of reps and even why I created it, because I had this frustration even you know, most of the time I would be meeting with clients, you know, you're, you're meeting with them once a week you know, maybe, and often half hour, you know, sometimes full hour, but, but I would have this, like, like I know in my, in my heart right now that I want them to have something in between this. Like, yeah. I, I felt like that's not even enough. And, and so that's why I was like, I started to think about pursuing this idea of creating this for them. And and so getting back to your question, like, what would you say? Well, there are some very clear things that, that I tell everybody that I work, literally every team, every person I work with, there are three things that I will guarantee you. If I say them to you, you'll be like, shit, you're right. The first core principle is to play present, to be in the present. All of our fears and anxieties are replaying a mistake that we made. So when you talked about, I just duffed that last, you know, shot. The problem is you're replaying it. You're like, fuck, I hope I don't do that again. So I'm pre-playing. I'm, I'm predicting. So when we are messed up, we are almost always in the past or the future, but not the present. It's the thought about the what if. What if I do that again? What if I don't make this, you know, three-footer right now? I think that did, did Steve Kerr say that was Michael Jordan's superpower in the documentary? The last dance, I'm pretty sure he said, he goes, forget everything else that Jordan did. He goes, his superpower was his ability to stay in the moment. I have the quote. I forgot that he said it in the documentary, but yes. And and like, who knows for sure? But I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Mindful Athlete, but like, like Phil Jackson brought mindfulness meditation to the Bulls. Yep. And now you're talking about that. Like, I don't think it's, I don't think it's coincidence, right? I don't think now, obviously Jordan going back to his freshman year at Carolina had, had that ability to, to make a big play. Right. So mm -hmm. he had it a long time, but, but like that ability is massive. And when I say it's massive, it's also really, really hard because again, going back to the instinctual mind, it just wants to protect us. How does it protect us? It reminds us, hey, don't do that thing again. That was dangerous, you know, for you. Or, and how do I prevent it from happening? I think about it. So I try to prevent it from happening. So that's why that idea of being here is really hard. And if you don't rep that skill, you will not have it. I promise you, you won't have it because you have to rep it. It's not natural. It's not instinctual to be present. In that <laughs> same realm, how, if at all, really does the teachings recommendations that philosophy change I mean, you're speaking the business world versus with athletes on a day-to-day -day basis of someone that's um working a traditional nine-to-five business type role same same concept same philosophy 100 percent. every and i have i do do um some level of executive coaching so i have a handful of executives that i work with i just 
completed a training uh, for a hospital system not about you know a few weeks ago um, for their leaders. Um, same exact things. It's the same things because here's the thing. What I try to teach is like this is what the brain does when it's under stress and pressure. It's not you. It's not me. It is all of us. Our brains are our brains. They're designed a very specific way. It's number one job. Keep us alive. If we feel like we're not thriving or sur surviving, it's going to go into fight or flight. What do you do then? If you've never worked on anything, you really don't know. You don't know what you're going to like. You, you're just like, well, I'm hoping for the best. You know, I'm going to try to tell myself positive things. Maybe it's going to happen. Maybe it won't. But but like that's and, and so it doesn't matter the venue. It will always happen. And, totally. and that's where I try to get to is like, I'm just trying to teach you how the brain works in these moments. And then here are the things that counteract what it's going to want to do. But did, uh, you, did you say there were three? Oh, yeah. 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 So first one is to play president. Two yeah, play is, president. To, is, is to is to give all of our attention to what we can control. Mm. And then three is to what I call detach from the judgments uh like like it's a proper noun the judgments and and the judgments are uh self-criticism judging ourselves uh the opinion of others so feeling judged by other people and then comparison and i will promise you you if if i say to you just uh, each of you guys think about the last time that you felt like a decent amount of anxiousness and one of those i will guarantee that at least one of those, if not all three of those core principles were off. I'll guarantee it. And, and you'll, if you'll think about that scenario, you'll be like, damn, you're right. I was, you know, I was frustrated because I needed so all these people to do something. Well, you don't control all them. So you were focused on people and the whole day long, you were like, I need to control them, but I don't control them anxious right away. Man, I'm, I am, I am in the top 1% of the first two that you said, not, not uh, judgmental of myself, giving myself grace and empathy. Second one, I don't give two shits what anybody else thinks of me. I'm locked into that. The third one, I'm horrible, horrible. I am constantly comparing and it, that doesn't even make sense. Cause it's like, well, if you were good at number two, why aren't you good at number three? Horrible, horrible. It so does make sense, however, and here's why, but you're right that it is interesting that you don't, that you're not about the judgment part from others, but you do the comparison part. But here's why it does the comparison part matters because we are pack animals. Yep. So we know that safety is in the group. And then where you rank within the group, I mean, if you go real instinctual of us, where you rank creates even more safety. So if I'm higher on the chart, I'm even more safe. So at first we're safe just because we're in the pack. Yeah. And then immediately we want to rise to the top of the, of the pack. Um, and so it's very instinctual. It's not, it's, it's, you didn't, you know, choose it. it it's just there. No, it makes so much sense. And one of the things that we touched on this a little bit earlier um, and, and just, the overall kind of transformation and obviously mental health being at the forefront of a lot more conversations. Now, I think even if you look at NCAA transformation committee, like their report in January, they a big comprehensive report of how they want to transform collegiate athletics. And the number one thing um, in their areas to fundamentally improve the student athlete experience is one is elevating support for student athletes, mental, mental, physical, and academic well-being. And so I think, Looking back, I mean, from when you started working in this industry to now, where there is obviously a lot more um, attention paid to it, how have you seen kind of the overall environment around mental health change um, from from when you started working in, in the industry? Uh, this one's intense in a way, uh, the, the question, and, and I'll tell you why. First of all, it has changed and it's changed for the better. Absolutely. There is absolutely more funding towards, you know, I, I would say that if you, if you, especially a power five, any power five conference team is, is going to have, they're going to have a number of uh, counselors on, on campus available to them. 
they're probably going to have a, a talk with somebody from campus. Um, we'll, we'll talk to almost every team I'm assuming about, you know, what mental health is. And, you know, if you're feeling a certain way, here's how you would, you know, these, this was the steps to, to, to get some help. All good. And I honestly mean that all good. Here's the downside is that USC and UCLA are not in the big 10 because it's good for anybody except for the money. Yeah. Right. How, how are you going to fly a kid from New Jersey Rutgers to, to us to, to, to the West coast on a Tuesday night? Like it's great for football. It's great. It's great for football. I get it for every other sport. It's not. And we can't like, we're, we're, like we can't deny that part of like what is still pushing everything is and and so I love and and maybe they would argue well but that's how we can get good services for our student athletes and I would agree I understand that like I understand that there's costs that are that that have to be covered but I I still think we're behind in in the understanding of first of all, preventative rather than after the fact. So what, what we really should be doing is, is and, and this should go down to, I think, elementary schools, quite honestly, is teaching these kind of skills at a young age so that we're developing the skills long before there's an issue. Um, and then universities, you know, really saying, hey, it, it matters the environment. Like, like it's, I get it that we, we can push we can have high standards, high demands. We can say that winning absolutely matters because it does look at everything that's involved. Again, I'm talking power five schools at this point. And we can we can treat people well in, in a healthy way. Uh, doesn't mean they get everything they want. Doesn't mean that everybody gets equal playing to none of that shit. I'm just saying we can do both. We can win and do these things. And until we really get to that point that we're like, no, we're going to do this well and in a healthy way, and you can still win, we're we're behind. We're not there yet. Is the bottom line. We're not. We're, it's good, but we're not there yet. Have you seen? Um, I don't know if your friend, one of my uh, good colleagues back in New York, his name's Ian Goldberg. He started a company called iSport Three Hundred and Sixty, um, and it's a youth sports <clears throat> app that's all about like positive development and positive messaging and really trying to be like kind of the anti anti Instagram, like let's share stuff here and it's all positive and stuff like that. It's a great, great app. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was on a podcast and he was talking about, you know, some he's, he's seen these parents, you know, he's also a parent, you know, has some uh, kids in middle school and he's, he's seeing the NIL effect already trickle down to parents worried about, trying to get a bag for a 13 year old, which is wild. Uh, And again, like, look, it's probably not the norm, right? That's not happening everywhere. But my question is, have you seen the effects of NIL and and maybe the portal, but more NIL affect players mentality or their attitude towards things or maybe even their performance? Have you seen that at all? Because it's not me and Ian say it all the time. Look, Players have been getting paid since Isaiah Thomas. All right, so th- let's let's relax. But this is different. This is a beast now. I mean, it's a it is a it is a beast now. I wish I wish ultimately we would have been more honest about it going back to like then, so that we would. I feel like the NCAA just was like, all right, we're not going to win this, so like let's let's do this and, do and yeah. so like all the thought of the way it should have been wasn't put in place, and now we now we have this thing that's kind of you know it's it's it is absolutely professionalized college sports, which it always was, but now it did, but it did it without planning. So I, I don't know if I if I can absolutely say what I've seen its impact, but what I can say is, you know, the difference for me for, and I, by the way, I'm like right now, I'm 16 year old daughter, AAU, plays for a really good team. Uh, is it elite camp? Is it elite camp today? You know, like she's in that, that mix of like, we're in it at the moment. Mm -hmm. And 
there's such a focus on on like what's next when you're they're in high school and you know I'm, you guys are younger than me but like i know when i played it was like a, we played to win at that age period mm -hmm. we like and if we could do something to hire then that was awesome but like you were not doing it for this idea of what's next no i did it for the hot shot trophy at quinnipiac <laughs> basketball camp and if i did not come back with that i failed that was all I, I cared about. <laughs> you're a Northeaster. We're, we're going to have to talk about it. I didn't know you were up in the Northeast. All right. Oh, yeah. So, so, uh, and now for me, it's, it's like everything's always about what I like. All conversations are all about what's next. Well, what is what's next? That's in the future. So, where's anxiety? It's a prediction of the what if. It's always in the future. And I, I feel like, you know, from a social media standpoint, which then is connected to NIL, right? Because NIL is really about, do you have a platform? Yep. You know, is like now I'm focused on this thing that ultimately isn't what it's about, or at least it wasn't originally about like just competing with your teammates and finding out how good we can be and how good you're going to be, you know, and, and like, and with it, for, for me, it cannot not increase stress and anxiety yeah, and comparison, right? Then, then you're talking about comparison because everybody's looking, well, what are they getting? What are, where are they going? Offers and, and, you know, again, at the collegiate level, they're already in the NIL. Some, like you said, it's trickling down to high school players. Um, and I just think it, it, it does two things. A, it takes the fun a little bit out of like just, the purity of playing, but it also forces the brain to be going in these directions around comparison and future thinking and all that, which we know isn't actually what's best for us. And just from a performance standpoint, it's not great because now you're, you're focused on something that you don't control going to, you know, to, to core principle number two, you don't control how people see you, view you, um, what you're going to get, what you're not going to get, that's theirs. And, and, you know, you're just trying to put yourself in place for good things. So it, there's no way it doesn't have an impact. I don't know yet if we, if we can quantify what that impact is, but it's, it, it has an impact. There's no, just no two ways about it. When you look, whether it's a new team, whether it's a new player, if you're starting from ground zero and you're building a process with, an athlete or a team, what does that process look like from the start? What are kind of the steps that you start with when um, you're really diving in and, and jumping in with, with an athlete or a team? Um, yeah. So both are going to start with this process. I can say how like uh, it, it's, it diverges a bit, but um, the, the way I, I try to break it down is very, very specifically the, the why the what and the how. So I start with every team and every individual. I want them to understand the basics of why the brain does what it does when we are under stress and, and pressure. So I want you to understand this is this is its function. Just like a muscle would have a function in, you know, in this movement the brain has a very, very specific thing that it's trying to do. So I want them to understand that because I believe that if we understand in a very basic way, it's just, I'm not going super deep, that then you're like, oh, okay, well, if that's what it's doing, then that's why this thing would make sense for me to do. But if I just jump to, I want you to do this, then you're like, well, why would I do that? Because I don't know, that sounds stupid to do, but oh no, I get it now because it's going to combat this thing that happens to all of us. So start with the why, then we go to the what. So what, what do we want to do? And I, I kind of feel like most of the things that we see, you know, on YouTube or we see in social media is the what. Like I see a lot of people posting about, you know, in big moments, you just have to want to take the, to the shot or make the play. Yeah, no shit. The question is how, how do I get to that? Because that's scary to do. And if I fail, I'm going to let my team down, my family down. It's going to be posted everywhere. It's good. So it's not the what, of course, that's what you want. Who doesn't know that? Yeah, I want, you, you need to let go of your last mistake. Really? No shit. How do I do that? 
but I do want to get there so that finally we can go to the how. And the how is actually in the reps. It's in the beginning to become self-aware, to understanding like what my thing is. Like, Paul, you did a really good job. This one, not so much. And that's why I do that whole thing early on because I then say, okay, now which of these speaks to you? And they're like, oh, I really struggle with that one. They'll see it. They know. And now we can go towards that. Okay, so this is what's going to combat that. And and so systematically, that's the process. And then over time, really, you know, you spend some time. Now you're really self-aware. You know what exercises that you're going to do. I'm going to hold you accountable. You're going to tell me what worked and didn't work. You're going to tell me the scenario that played out this week that may have been different than last week that triggered it in a different way. But now we're going to work with that or eventually I want you to be able to like essentially self-diagnose and then not only self-diagnose, but know what you're going to do with it so that in the middle of a game, it's applicable, right? Like you can do it. And, and so that's the process. It's interesting, the difference between working with teams and working with individuals, because when I have individual clients, often I have no idea except for their description of team dynamics, right? I don't know. I'm only doing it through their eyes. When I'm working with a team, I know. So sometimes you'll find, well, I hear you, but I'm also seeing this. And there's some things that you own here that are that are different. And or I can or sometimes I can make the environment, you know, give make some suggestions to the environment that would help not only that maybe that individual, but the whole group. And so you're you're you have way more impact in total performance environment when you're working with a group or a team and as as to when you're working just individually with with that athlete who, like I said, I may never, in fact, sometimes I've I've never you know, step foot in, in where they perform, you know, I might watch it on TV or whatever, but I've never been live um, with them. So what happens when uh, there, there's a, let's, let's use a coach. Let's say you're working with uh, the mystics Yep. and everyone on the team's locked in gung ho. They're excited. They're working with you, blah, blah, blah. But they have a coach that might either not be totally bought in or, their actions are going against what you're trying to create. And I'll give you an example, right? So I played for a high school coach who pulled you if you made a mistake. You are trying to train people to not be in the past, not be in the present, forget your mistakes, right? But you get pulled if you turn it over. Is the is the step to try and get the coach to stop doing that? Or is it you have to control what you can control, right? Hey, you're on this WNBA team and this is your coach, right? So what, like, which way do you go? Or is it both? Yeah, I was going to say it's way in the, in the both category in this, like, you know, you have to let coaches coach, right? Like that's like, that's theirs. Um, yeah. And, and you have to help players, deal with because you are you're going to deal with all sorts of different scenarios i think where we try to intervene it really big time is when it's too far to to want you know if it's just like look it's too much and we have to back like you're gonna have to let some of them play through it or pull them talk and then put them right back in like let them learn maybe and and you get to say something but but get them back in so that they don't feel like they're going to be buried because they're petrified while they're out there playing. Right. And that's not, it's like, that's not a great way to be playing either. Um, You know um, so, so I think there is a space for coaches who still are like, you mess, you know, I'm going to give you maybe one, but like, I'm not giving you past that and you're going to hear about it. And I think there's still space for that. But I also think like that coach, if they want to be, good at that they need to also be like and i believe you can correct this and get i'm going to get you back in to correct it but if people are like i'm gonna make one mistake i'll be buried it probably is going to be tough to to like that that turn into something positive um so it's a little bit of both and you know and and you certainly have to play you know work with the with the players around okay so that is the scenario that you're in so what what are we going to work on that's going to help you manage that as best as possible I love it
Stu, this has been fantastic, man. We're going to get you out of here on some uh, rapid fire questions. And then of course uh, you're going to have the green light for a hot take at the end. So uh, rapid fire, can't think about it. Quick answers. We're going to start with favorite player of all time. Jordan. Okay. So I already know the answer to C. Is Rajon Rondo a Hall of Famer? No. Correct. <laughs> From my point of view. Uh, LeBron or Jordan? Jordan. Best dunker of all time? Oh. I think Jordan's the easy one, but I'm going to go to my childhood uh, absolute idol, which is Dr. J. Nice. Uh, your favorite sneaker of all time? No. Wow. The Jordan. I don't know what number it was though. Ah. We're gonna we're gonna put it on the screen once you once you get it. What colors? It was white. I think it had uh it was like a the the white had the, the um it like the patent leather is it like the was well, it the patent leather but it was right i think it was right before that it, it red but it was white red red and black which doesn't help at all um, <laughs> uh low they were kind of low um, not the 11s i mean those threes? i have to look at it i would have to look at it to know all right, we're gonna we're gonna have to come They're the back. best. They are All the right, best. So it's I it's it's fair to say Jays are your are your favorite. Yeah. Um, best basketball movie of all time. I'm gonna go Hoosiers. I think that is nice. A great movie. Okay, so Hoosiers. Anytime I hear Hoosiers, uh, I have two dream. Well, first of all, my dream job is to win the lottery and then chill. But after that, um. Either to be the czar of youth basketball and redo everything in America to make it not totally Europe, but we got to redo it. it we got to tear it down to the studs. That's dream job number one. Um, dream job number two is to be the guy that movies hire to make basketball realistic because Hoosiers was so bad. But it's old. I get it. It's old. All right. That's fair because I'm a big I'm like that, too. Like, I love Ted Lasso and they've done just enough, just yeah. enough. To make it close, but deep down, it's like somebody that really watches a Premier League. Like when they're, especially when they're on the field, I'm like, oh, you're killing yeah. me, right? I am that. I am that guy too. I hate unrealistic uh, sports scenes and in, in movies that are about sports. The mo, I think, and I, I never thought I'd have the chance to bring this up on the pod, so I'm going to take my opportunity. <laughs> if anyone, I think it's gone viral. I think probably a few times, but there's a Disney Channel original movie called yes. Double Teamed. Is that with Zac the- Efron? No, it's about the twins that went to UVA back in the 90s. There are tw- two twin girls. Um, and there is oh, a yeah. moment. What's that? No, I, I know the oh, show. Yeah. And they, so they, there. I think there's like three seconds left. And it's basically this slowdown. And the the camera pans and they're just jab step. She has the ball and shaking. Yes. And she's just jab stepping with her, with opposite feet back and forth to try and shake the defender. It's so bad. Like, it's a- and it quite possibly is one of maybe like enjoyed the movie, great sentiment, like great life lessons behind it and tells a true story, but maybe the worst basketball segment of all time of just of jab stepping back and forth. Like you're doing the, like the Macarena or something and, and just shuffling your feet. It was incredible. If anyone has not seen it, I highly recommend look up the final scene of double teamed on a Disney channel original movie. I'm telling you now, I actually have the moment where I'm like, is there are there enough people who actually have no idea of sports that they think that they can get away with it? Like it's the general population looking at that going, yeah, that's what that's what it looks like. That's and, a move. But it drives I'm actually thinking that instead of thinking about any I'm I'm completely not present at that moment. They've pulled me out of being present at that moment. Yep. I yeah, feel I'm upset with every you know how many people had to approve that scene to right like, how is there not one human anyway all right last question Stu. green light for a hot take can be about travel food movies sneakers basketball psychology whatever you got the floor is yours what's your hot take of the day 
All right, here is my hot take. I am also a big soccer guy. The men's, our U.S. men's national team is legit. And at 2026, when the World Cup is here, we're going to make some noise. What that means exactly, I'm not positive, but we're going to make some noise. But I'm going to connect it to another hot take. So I'm going to give you two for one on this, which is it is because the U.S. has has in soccer in particular taken the European model of academies and developing young players from a young age through trying to develop them as pros, but also giving them other pathways and opportunities. But because of that, and I think it's where we're getting killed in basketball at this point, because instead of having academies, which we should do all pro NBA teams or WNBA teams should have academies Yes. And for the AAU, so it's like it would replace essentially the EYBLs and the and all the other sneaker whatever. Then you could have AAU outside of that. Yep. But, but those would be the developmental pathways and we would be creating better young players. We're getting past buy or at least caught up to i mean think about the best players in the league right now and who's going to be the number one pick this year as a european player where and i don't think it's a coincidence so i gave you two for one with the idea of youth academies i love it um for everybody that wants to download the app follow you on twitter linked it where should everybody uh, find you I am at Well Performance on Twitter and at Well Performance uh, on Instagram. And those are the places that you'll most easily find me. Uh, the Do So app is uh, at app Do So on Twitter. And also, I believe the same on Instagram. And we do put a lot of content out that's going to match up with everything you heard me talk about tonight. So I don't. I don't put anything on there that I don't back up based in the idea of bringing time. Love it. Awesome. Stu, thank you so much for coming on again, man. We uh, we appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk with you soon, man. Appreciate it. You guys are good at this, man. I like it. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it, Stu. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. Thank you. All right. Talk to you guys. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, and tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a couple Slush Russell's up next and I got this Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious Taking 12 shots like where the cops is, come on